In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dearly beloved in Christ, as we uh, come closer and closer to the end of the liturgical year, and also to the end of the Jubilee Year of Mercy, what St. Paul has to tell us this Sunday is something that all of us uh, should take to heart and that all of us can do. <clears throat> Nothing that he uh, in, places the injunction upon us in the epistle today is impossible for us. All of us, if we have the will to do it, can put these things into practice to become and to have a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving others just as God forgives us. <clears throat> you know, we often think, you know, when we're faced with the question, should I forgive this person or should I hold the grudge? We often think and ask ourselves, does this person deserve my forgiveness? It's often a natural question that comes up with us. And the fact of the matter is, mercy comes to us exactly, precisely, because we don't deserve it. When we come before God with our sins, with our offenses, with our negligences, do we deserve really God's forgiveness? We are not entitled to God's mercy at all. And yet God gives it to us plentifully. Even if we look around us today at the beautiful sunshiny day in this month of November when we should be chilled to the bone. And here God gives everybody on earth or everybody in this area a beautiful day whether they deserve it or not. God gives benefits to us <clears throat> whether we deserve them or not. God is always merciful. Why? Because he wants us to imitate that mercy. And he's given us this, this year of mercy to try and put that into practice in our own individual lives. You know, when we're imbued with God's mercy and we receive God's mercy with gratitude, we're like that householder in the gospel today. Look what happened to him. Overnight, someone comes and tries to destroy his crop of wheat with weeds. And he says, let them grow. Let them grow together because the day will come when I will separate them. But that will come in my time when the time of harvest is ready. Not until then. Until then, live and let live. <clears throat> and it will take care of itself. And indeed he did. And that is how we are when things happen to us. When we're merciful, we say God will take care of all this. We trust God. We have confidence in God that God is going to make things right because God, who is also merciful, is also all just. And he's not going to let justice go because of mercy. He's not going to let mercy go either 
because of justice and because he is total perfection in all attributes of his, as we learned in the catechism in our youth, he takes care of it in his own time, not ours. Who are we? We're not entitled to anything as his creatures. None of us. We accept his mercy with gratitude, And we show that gratitude by showing mercy to others with confidence that God is going to take care of the score, as it were, and make sure that that score is even if it needs to be. And God knows when the score needs to be evened and when it needs to be let go and to let it run its course. Those who do evil and who spend their lives doing evil always reap the consequences of what they do. When we go around sowing weeds everywhere and trying to destroy what other people have or talking about it or murmuring about it or complaining about it, trying to have a scorched-earth policy of the way we live our lives, meaning we scorch other people's fields, well, it won't be long before we trample our own field using so much energy to destroy another's, we neglect to fix our own. And oftentimes when we're looking at other people's faults, we're neglecting things in our own garden that need to be tended. And we're so busy destroying somebody else's, we don't think of our own and what we have to tend there. And so it's important for us, then, to set that aside. We can't be like the person who sows the seed or the one householder who says, pull it all up, get rid of it. And we know people like that. They're right away, they're looking for a fight. They're looking to rumble anytime there's something that goes wrong, even if it's none of their business. And what happens We take a sledgehammer to everything, to glass, and it shatters everywhere. And there's no way to humanly fix the situation because we were so busy to fix it in our own style rather than in God's style. And that's why it's important for us to have faith and to have confidence in God's mercy that will always take care of every situation that we have where we feel we are wronged, where we feel that we have suffered harm, and allow God to take it into his hands, and in doing so, know that whoever did things to harm us will suffer the consequence of their actions, one way or another. And I think those of you who are older can see what I'm saying. You can see, you remember situations where people live, made their lives, making other people's lives miserable. And in the end, they were the most miserable people of all. Why? Because they reaped what they sow. And we reap what we sow. And so the question is, what am I sowing in the field of my life? Am I sowing goodness? Am I sowing these virtues that St. Paul talks about today in his epistle to the Colossians? 
or am I sowing those weeds among the wheat? Either thinking I'm funny because I'm getting back at someone for what they did to me, or because I'm just mad at the world and I want everybody to be as unhappy as I am. That's not why God put us here. We are not called to that kind of stance to life. We are called to something higher. We are called to something greater. We are called to sow the wheat of God's kindness, the wheat of God's mercy, the wheat that nourishes. Think of what happens to wheat. We will be receiving the results of it in a few moments in Holy Communion. When Jesus comes to us under the form of bread in the sacred host. And there we receive mercy itself. Jesus comes into my heart. The greatest fruit of mercy there ever is. And so let us sow the good things in life. Let us sow God's mercy, God's grace, God's kindness. And when we do so, it comes back to us in fullest measure. A word on the election. No, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I cannot. But, first of all, vote. It is our Christian duty to vote for who we think will be the best God-fearing leader for our nation and for our Senate and for the issues that face us in your locality. And before you do that, please pray. There was a novena for the election. I hope you got it over the Internet and you're praying it, because that's a good way to prepare for what you have to do on Tuesday. Pray and especially ask the Holy Spirit to be with you so that your conscience is active and you are filled with what God wants for our nation and that you will put the person in there who will best accomplish those goals. God bless you.